This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. I have learned to have patience in the wealth building process. I realize that good things come with time and education. And man, did I get an education from all these mistakes. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're going to do three things. First, I'm going to be sharing some major money mistakes that I've made across my financial life and how you can avoid them. Second, we'll be answering a question about how we can financially prepare for a new child in our lives, a new baby. And last but not least, we're back with another money quiz. My daughter Zoe's going to be reading the review of the month and I'll be asking her some difficult but fun money questions, really testing her knowledge today. All right, let's jump into today's show. Lately, I realize that I've been sharing a lot of really great things that are going on in my family's life, you know, like paying off our mortgage and achieving Coast Fire and transitioning from my full-time employment to my part-time entrepreneur life. These are all really cool things that I'm excited about. And While that news is fun to share and it can be motivating for folks who listen to this podcast, I think it's also important to share some of my money mistakes as well. That's what this financial journey is all about, in my opinion. We're not always hitting home runs, you know, all the time. There's a lot of mistakes that we make, but those mistakes can sometimes be the biggest lessons and help us learn a lot along the way. And then there are the mistakes that just really suck and uh, you didn't learn anything at all. and you wish they were gone. (laughs) In the spirit of humility and transparency, here are five major money mistakes that I've made in my life. Hopefully, by sharing these money mistakes, it'll help you to avoid them in the future. Here we go. Number one, buying an expensive home that I could not afford. In 2004, I bought my first home. I was so proud to be a homeowner at 22 years old. Little did I know the true cost of homeownership though. And man, did I learn quickly. When I bought the home, I only put 10% down. So I had a pretty high mortgage payment for a guy only making $38,000 per year. My mortgage payment was around 1,200 bucks at the time. When I decided that I wanted to switch careers at 23 years old, just a year later, I took a pay cut of about $10,000. I wanted to stop traveling so much and get off the road and kind of take a more nine to five office job. But with the reduced hours of of working in a less stressful job, it was a $10,000 pay cut. Now, I didn't really think clearly about my mortgage payment when I made that decision. This uneducated money decision left me with a mortgage payment of around 50% of my monthly income. It was really, really tough. And then if you add in all the housing costs of just home ownership in general, all the stuff that I didn't think about when I bought my house, fixing it, all of the bills, furnishing it, fixing the roof that I didn't know needed to be fixed just a year later, it ended up being about 70% of my income. So when all was said and done, I had about 30% of my tiny income to eat, 
watch Netflix. This was when they were sending the DVDs in the mail, if you guys remember that, not the online. And then maybe get a few beers with my friends. Anyway, not a smart money move. Number two, leasing a luxury car when I'm in debt. A few years and a few new career choices later, I landed myself at a company making around $40,000 with my newfound wealth. What was that? Like $2,000 more? (laughs) And a couple of extra roommates. That really helped me to pay my mortgage. So that was kind of the boost. It was house hacking before I even knew what house hacking was. I decided after all this new money in my life that it was time to get a luxury car. Lease a luxury car. Honestly, I had no business leasing a luxury car because I was in student debt for my MBA. And then I was also in debt for my home equity line of credit because I was using my home equity line of credit like an ATM. Anytime I needed extra money, I would just borrow from the equity, borrow from the equity. And my income was not sufficient enough to afford this car or the lifestyle that I was trying to fake and have. Instead of leasing a luxury car, I could have started investing for my retirement you know, took advantage of my employer match at my job, maybe reduced my debt a little bit, or put some money in savings so I would actually stop using my home equity line of credit as an emergency fund every time something would pop up. Nope, I decided that I needed a luxury car instead in my mid-20s because it made me look cool. (laughs) That decision while it was kind of fun, it set me back as I headed towards some more big moments in my life. Number three, using my student loans to buy my wife's engagement ring. Yeah. Soon enough, I met the woman of my dreams. You've all heard her voice on this podcast, my wife, Nicole. And when I met her, I wanted her to be my wife right away. But I had no money for the ring. I had no money to be actually traveling back and forth from Los Angeles to go visit her. (laughs) But I definitely had no money for the ring. So do you know why I had no money for that ring? Well, it's because I bought a house I couldn't afford. It's because I decided to go back to school to get my MBA because I thought that would help me actually make more money in the future, which it didn't. And then also because I was driving around in a luxury car. (laughs) So did I decide to take my time and save up for the ring or maybe even just buy a less expensive ring? No, I didn't. I decided to drop $5,000 and I used my student loans to pay for it. Yeah, my student loans, which had a higher interest rate because it was a graduate degree, I think it was around 7% interest, I was paying for this engagement ring. So not only was I racking up tens of thousands of dollars in student loans for my MBA, but I added on another $5,000 for Nicole's ring. What a way to start the marriage, huh? (laughs) Number four, refinancing my mortgage and then moving shortly after. After we got married, the value of my home started to plummet during the Great Recession. Yeah, this is the home that I was borrowing equity from. In 2010, I owned a home valued at $140,000, but I still owed $180,000 on it. And that did not include the home equity line of credit. That was extra money. So this is the time in our lives, in our marriage, right when we got married, when we had a lovely negative net worth. Yes, our net worth was negative $50,000 when we started our financial journey together. When 2012 rolled around just a couple years later, the value had risen enough to a point where I owed less on it than it was worth, which was, which was a nice moment. But the money mistake guy was back for more money mistakes. 
I decided it was smart to refinance my mortgage so I could lock in a rate of 5%. Now, I had an adjustable rate mortgage, an ARM. You guys maybe have heard this one before. I had that at the time. And my my ARM was about to come up, you know, so it was about to, I was about to adjust potentially. And I was nervous that it was going to adjust up. I really didn't understand it. My rate had actually dropped down to 2.71% because the LIBOR rate continued to go down at that time. I didn't understand any of this. I just felt uneasy having an adjustable rate mortgage because it might adjust upward someday. And in the moment, in the, in the environment we're in right now, I can totally understand that. But where we were back then, I didn't understand what was going to happen. So I refinanced. We ended up losing out on about through lost interest payments and refinancing fees when you go through the refinance process. This was a really dumb move. Also, to make matters worse, we decided to sell the home just one year later after refinancing. Just one year later. It made no sense for us to refinance our mortgage when we were planning to move. This was wasted money. Number five having blind faith in my financial advisor. Around the same time, I connected with an investment broker who was going to help us with our investments and our retirement plan. At this point, Nicole and I were making some pretty good money together and we needed someone to help us invest it. My blind faith in this individual was a big mistake. At one point, we had saved around $100,000 and we asked him where we should put it if we were considering buying a home in the next couple of years. He suggested putting it in bond funds because they were a more safe investment. What I didn't understand was that there was a front load fee that dropped our investment balance immediately. Additionally, the bond funds that he put us in started to drop in value month after month after month after month. So our $100,000 savings had dropped to around $95,000 in just a few months. I should have known not to put any money in the stock market or the bond market if I want it back in less than five years. That volatility is too high, even with bonds. I hoped my advisor would maybe advise me against such things, but it feels like the front load fee was just too juicy to deny. It was a painful and pricey lesson learned. It's no fun to lose thousands of dollars, especially when it could be avoided. Oh, oh man, I feel like I kind of just went through some financial therapy with you guys here. Even though these money mistakes are upsetting to relive and to reshare, I learned so much from all these experiences. I really did. And these lessons have truly shaped the way that I approach money now. Today, I like to keep things simple. I have learned to have patience in the wealth building process. And I realize that good things come with time and education. And man, did I get an education from all these mistakes. Well, enough for me, everyone. I want to hear from you about all these crazy mistakes. What major money mistakes have you made in your life? Or which of these money mistakes was worst in your eyes? Please let me know by sharing this episode on your social media accounts and tagging me on Instagram and Facebook at Marriage Kids and Money or LinkedIn or Twitter at Andy Hill MKM. I would love to keep this conversation going. 
Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. When I learned that I was going to be a dad, something clicked in my brain. And thoughts of preparing and protecting my daughter became my way of life. Evidently, this brain change for new fathers, it's quite common. According to Scientific American, this is an article that came out in 2014 entitled, How a New Father's Brain Changes. They describe how a new dad's thought process is actually quite different from the new mother. Here is the quote. Instead of thinking about cuddling or feeding the baby, dads to be focused on the future. They imagined saving money for a college fund or walking down the aisle at their daughter's wedding. So with that theme in mind, I've invited a new dad-to-be to the show who happens to be a financial planner and money coach as well. Juan Saavedra is our guest today. Over the last four years, he has worked with almost 2,000 families on their financial journey. He's helped families pay off close to $6 million in debt and invest nearly $1 million as well. But most importantly for today, Juan is expecting his new baby this year. Welcome to the show, Juan. 
Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you having me here. Absolutely, man. Well, we've been connected for a little while now, and I'm glad to uh, host you on the show and learn from you, especially in this this kind of melding of expertise, you as a dad-to-be as well as a financial planner, financial coach. So tell me about the feelings. You know, that intro that I talked about, are you feeling some of those feelings as a dad-to-be right now? Yeah. As you were sharing with this, I was like, oh, that study was on the money. That's exactly how I feel. I, my wife is more on the emotional side and my mind is going 10,000 miles an hour. I'm thinking about well, how much do I need to start saving for college and this, and I'm having a girl. So I'm like, I might have to pay for this wedding too. Like, I had a daughter as my first child as well. And a lot of those thoughts were going through my head. So let's help out some, some new parents to be, new dads to be. Financially speaking, what are some of the first steps that you are personally taking to prepare? Yeah. So the first thing I did when we first found out was I started getting super technical and figuring out our medical expenses. I started figuring out what is this birth going to cost us? What would that look like out of pocket? How close are we to our deductibles? And then I really kind of adjusted our lifestyle a little bit to make sure that we didn't get into medical debt during, you know, the the whole process of the pregnancy. So I think people, new dads listening to this, you got to really figure out medical expenses. I think we don't think about it because we're so pumped, you know, to see the ultrasounds and, you know, you're, you're seeing your wife's belly get big and then medical bills come out of nowhere and you can easily get blindsided. A lot of that preparation, you know, to be honest with you, healthcare, super confusing to me. When I go through the process of the high deductible plan or the PPO or the, I don't even know all the acronyms, it's so confusing. When you're looking at a high cost situation of pregnancy, does that come into mind when people are looking at maybe open enrollment, which plan do I go with? Talk about that a little bit. That's a great point. Right now, it's open enrollment for some people. Some people might have had it you know, in November, December. But if you're a family listening and you guys are thinking about having a baby during open enrollment, I would highly consider, hey, maybe it makes sense to upgrade your insurance, pay a little bit more right now so that you save yourself later out of pocket. Right now, my brother and his wife are trying for their baby. And that's the same conversation I just had. It might make sense for you to get the right insurance in place. And also, a lot of people don't know this. I don't know if you've heard this before. Did you know you can get hospital insurance, the extra accidental insurance? A lot of people don't know about this, but that will give you an extra 150 a day in hospital, and they'll cover everything that the hospital doesn't cover, your health insurance doesn't cover for the birth of the child. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good tip. I appreciate that right there, actually. Now, speaking of when the child comes into the world, you guys have your own particular way that your family is going to do their thing with childcare. Talk to us about what your plans are and maybe how people weigh this option. This is a big deal. Me and my wife, we've been pretty blessed because I work from home 90% of the time. My wife permanently works from home and we have a lot of family here to help us. So right now, my wife's taking the next six months off. She's taking as much maternity leave as possible. So that's a whole other thing that we did, we started saving for maternity leave and what that will look like. So right now we're just kind of kind of see what life's gonna look like with a baby at home. I might have to take a couple of days off of work during the week. I don't know, I might have to work on a Saturday. I don't know, man, I am gonna just see how it goes for now, you know? <laughs> yeah, but this could be a big cost for some parents who are saying, you know, with this whole return to the office thing, and I know you probably have some clients in this area where the world has shifted away from the work from home situation and the, a lot of employers are like, all right, come on back. I mean, how do you make those plans? That's a difficult situation for people. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I think it goes back to like your personal values and beliefs. Because I know I have some clients who 
100% have no problem going to the office. Maybe they love their career and they'll just pay the, the expensive cost of childcare. And then I have some clients that no way childcare. I mean, we're not putting our baby in daycare. And I think it depends on your values, your beliefs. But if it makes sense for one person to stay home to take care of the children, because you're going to make the same amount anyways, it might make sense. Yeah, I love the flexibility that, I mean, I hated the pandemic and I hate everything that went through it, but I love the flexibility that's been born from it a little bit. I, this is not the situation that my wife and I had when we had our daughter. It was, it was like, okay, we better hurry up and get back to work because we won't be making money or, and it was, it was less of a thought about how the well-being of our child would be. I mean, eventually we made some financial moves that allowed Nicole to work part-time and then eventually stay at home full-time. But yeah, it's a tough decision either way. I mean, letting go of a career maybe that you're super passionate about in order to be a stay-at-home parent could be a difficult decision as well as going the opposite way as well. So it's a big decision for parents out there. Let's talk about, you know, some of the financial side of the things. You, you said your brain was starting to churn on this already. When your child arrives, are there investing moves that you're considering or that parents should consider? Yeah, Andy, man, I'm waiting for the social security number and I'm ready. To just, <laughs> so, as soon as the IRS sends me the, or whatever the number, it's wrapped. She's going to get some things open. But the first conversation my wife and I had was, we want to make sure we give our daughter an opportunity that we didn't have. So we wanted to open up an investment account early because I know if she starts early, she'll have more money later. So the first hard conversation was, do we go with a 529 route and education only? Or are we opening up that UGMA that she could use for anything? I love this conversation. I love this debate because I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer. So what are you guys thinking right now? Where are you leaning? Dude, I couldn't agree more. I think it's not, there's no right or wrong. I think it's that you do something. I think that's the important piece. I have some beliefs. My wife has different beliefs because I don't know what college is going to look like 17 years from today, like 2041. So I'm leaning towards the UGMA route because she could use that for her first car, a down payment for her first house, or hey, she doesn't touch it and they can balloon up and her to retirement. My wife is, you know, we need to make sure she goes to college and make sure she's super prepped to go. My wife's like, you know, in case she goes to Yale, she's ready to go. I'm like, all right, well, so we haven't, I don't want to tell you we made a decision. We haven't. We've, we're debating it still every day, but back to what your original point was, I don't believe there's right or wrong. I think it's that you do something. So parents listening, I definitely think you should get familiar with what these investment accounts are. Like I didn't know about UGMAs and 529s and all this stuff until I started learning about it. So get familiar with the accounts. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, because you're maybe expecting or you've become a new parent, it's a great time to learn because you, you'll you never be more interested than you are probably right now with the stuff that's going through your brain and making those plans. So let's talk about estate planning a little bit. After you've added a new human into the world, things change a little bit with regard to your estate planning. Can you talk a little bit about that? This was probably the hardest conversation we had with our estate planning attorney was, God forbid something happens to us, we had to make a decision about who would be the guardian of our child. And, uh, you know, my wife and I went back and forth, you know, my mom, her mom, my brother, her brother. And that was a hard conversation. So I think the first thing that all parents should do is number one, make sure you have the right life insurance place, you want to protect yourself, especially now as you have a new baby coming into the world. Second thing we did was we updated our will making sure that everything was accurate, you know, make sure we have all our assets in place. We're starting a family trust right now, especially as we're getting more, you know, 
financial assets and these investments and stuff, I want to make sure we put as much in the living trust so that when my daughter eventually does touch this account, whenever there's less tax repercussions for her later down the road, you know? These are smart moves to do, and it obviously helps a lot when you've done some research personally to understand what these things are. Some of these acronyms maybe we're throwing out or, or some of the terms we're throwing out can sound confusing, but I think if you take a little bit of time to dive deeper into them, especially with a trusted financial individual that knows your situation best, that can definitely help. And it sounds like Juan's doing that for his family as well as being a trusted person himself. So there's somebody listening right now and they're thinking, you know what, I can't even imagine planning this financial stuff right now. We've got so much going on with my job, my pregnancy, my, you know, or my wife's situation. It just feels overwhelming. Is this something that's okay to put off or does it, do they need to plan on it right away? How does stress play into the factor? Talk to us about this a little bit. I think the first thing you should do, especially if you're expecting or you're planning on having a baby is I think there's a lot of free knowledge out there. I think you should make it a priority to listen to podcasts like this and other financial people to get educated about what are the right moves you should consider. And then make sure that if you do feel really lost, then talk to somebody that can guide you and help you. One thing I do believe, especially in today's world with, with what's on the internet, there's a lot of free financial knowledge out there. You just got to really put the time in. One of the things my wife and I did was, you know, we made sure we turned off Netflix and we made sure we just hey, let's learn about what, what are the moves we have to make because we have 10 months till the baby gets here or nine months. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, and also while you're out there on the internet, following people that are, are good, trusted sources of good information is a great place to go. And I'll tell you, everybody, I've been following Juan for a while and he's definitely one of those individuals. Juan, where can people connect with you and learn more about some good financial information that can help them, whether they are a expecting parent or anywhere else in their financial life? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, you guys can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm on all the channels. Just look up, look me up by name, Juan Saavedra, and you'll find me there. And uh, yeah, that's one of my passions. You know, I just a little bit of story of mine. You know, nine years ago when I got into the financial world. I was on track to go to Wall Street and I kind of wanted to get away from you know, that whole life. And my passion really became, I wanted to just be a channel to help that person who's not familiar with personal finance and make it less you know, weird and just touchy and just give people some easy things that you could do in your day-to-day -day life. So that's really where my heart is to help that person just get their financial journey one step better. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're looking for that free content that breaks down some of this difficult stuff that's out there, maybe in the financial news or things that you're hearing out there about stuff you're supposed to do, Juan's a great guy for that, everybody. Juan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, man. No, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me on today. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. To keep this show running and to help your buddy Andy smile, I would like to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. If you like the show, please leave a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That type of feedback helps more people to find and consider the show, and it just makes me smile a little bit. So to encourage you to leave a review, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received... What are you laughing about? <laughs> 
So we received seven reviews since our last book giveaway offer. Yes, there's some giggling going on here. This quarter, we're giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. We've got Everybody Fights, so why not get better at it by Kim and Penn Holderness. We've got Things That Matter by Joshua Becker. And It's Not About the Money by Scarlett Cochran. Yes, and you've heard it already. I was going to say to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my daughter Zoe Hill here, but she was snapping her gum and then laughing, so you knew she was here, right? Anyway, so how you doing, Zoe? Good. Do you like spring break so far? Yeah, we got no school. No school, lots of Roblox action, happy girl, snacks at the counter. Yeah. Good day so far? Yeah. Day three? Yeah. And then we're going to go on a trip tomorrow, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, before we read the review, Zoe, let's do a money quiz. Yeah. All right. Question one, Zoe. It's about Roblox. (laughs) You love Roblox. And why do you love Roblox? Let me ask you that. Because it's entertaining and Murder Mystery 2 is on Roblox. Yeah, you like that game a lot. Well, according to Roblox, Zoe, their website, how much money did they make as a company last year? Was it A, $220,000, B, $2,200,000, or C, $2.2 billion? C. C is correct. They made $2.2 billion (laughs) last year. Roblox makes a lot of money through... In-game purchases, like your, what are the ro- Robux? And they're not called coins, because you got mad at me the other day, because yeah. I called them Robux coins boomer. or something. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a millennial. No, you're a boomer, Dad. You don't you don't know what busing means. I don't busing. know what busing means. You don't know what, all right, I like a Picasso. I don't, I have no idea what you just said. That's why you're a boomer. No, I'm a millennial. I'm a geriatric a millennial. Boomer. Whatever. Whatever. They make money on advertising in your row coins. And Robux. Robux. You and then premium membership subscriptions. Moving on to question number two. Boomer. People make mistakes with money, Zoe. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to make mistakes. You know, mistakes are how we learn and how we get better at things, right? One mistake, though, that a lot of people make and that I've made quite a bit is not using mm-hmm. gift cards. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Evidently, this is a mistake that a lot of Americans make. What is the value of unused gift cards in America? In America. In America. America. Right now. All of America. Is it A, $21 billion, B, $2 billion, or C, $2 million? A. It's A. There's $21 billion worth of unused gift cards just sitting around people's houses right now. How much money do you think we have sitting around here with unused gift cards? I mean, your room specifically. How about that? And my room specifically? Yeah, like those Target cards. Probably 50 bucks, right? Yeah, okay. And I probably have some in my room somewhere. So you just times that by the 300 million people that are in our country. $21 billion. Anyway, question three. You're a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, aren't you, Uh Zoe? And you miss it that you went through all eight seasons so fast. And I'm sorry for you, but. Well, I know you like it a lot, so I thought I'd bring it back just at least for a trivia question. Does that Mm -hmm. sound good? So here's a trivia question for you. What is the Pontiac Bandit's real name? Is it Doug Judy? Oh, I didn't even have to give her the (laughs) knife of things. Congratulations. Doug Judy. Doug Judy. Pretty Judy is her sister. Oh, is his sister? Okay. And then who's Jimmy Figgis? 
Jimmy Fingers, he's like a he's like a bad guy. Oh, okay. All right. So I put those other ones as sort of tricks. Doug Judy. She didn't even need the answers. Zoe, you got all three of them correct. Congratulations. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is literally my favorite show. You cannot m- mess up a question. I know. It's a good if, show. If a I really Brooklyn like it. I liked it too. I think I it was, ended right. up being a, a show that we watched together and everybody enjoyed. Well, congratulations, Zoe. You got all three <laughs> questions right. Let's move on to the review of the month. We got seven reviews since our last book giveaway offer. Can you ask our electronic friendly? Actually, we kicked Alexa to the curb, so yeah. you're going to ask a new elec- elec- electronic Anyway, friend. anywho. Hey, Google, pick a number between one and seven. Here's a random number, two. Okay, our second review comes in from One Brown P, which is a cool screen name, and their headline is Great Content. So, Zoe, can you read this one from One Brown P? I went searching for a finance podcast a few months ago. I picked three or four to listen to, and this is the only one that stuck. The content is great, and I walk away with so many tips and things to try. It's also fun to listen to. I enjoy Andy and his kids. I look forward to listening to this podcast every week. Awesome. Thank you so much for reading that one, Zoe Hill. And thank you very much, One Brown P. One Brown P, I do not have your email. If you could email me at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com, that'd be awesome. And take a screenshot of that review. That way we could send you one of these great books in the mail and then you'll get your learn on. Is that like a boomer thing to say? I don't know. Is that cool? Anyway, they could learn it by reading the book. I don't know. I'm just trying to be cool, man. Help me out with your no cap, you know, FR, 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 no cap. Email us with that screenshot, one brown P, and we'll send you that book. Everybody, we're going to be doing this again next month. Same Zoe, same books, same attack on the boomer, I guess. Is it going to be the same what? Fun fact. What? Neil A., Neil Armstrong, if you put it backwards, it spells alien. Whoa, that is a fun fact. Fun facts by Zoe. Dude. (laughs) If you want to hear fun facts by Zoe and have us to uh, read your review, please leave that review in Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that review. Email us at team at marriagekidsandmoney.com or andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. And if you don't have Apple Podcasts, that's okay. You can do it on... Spotify. That's right, Zoe. Spotify. You can leave a rating on Spotify. Take a screenshot of that, too. And just participate in this little fun we're having. Zoe, thank you very much for being here. It's springtime, and we've got quite the lineup to inspire all sorts of new beginnings for you. Next Monday, April 10th, we've got Allison Baggerly. She's going to join us again. In this age of massively high credit card debt, she's going to share how we can pay off our debt while still enjoying our lives. The Monday after that, April 17th, I'll be answering some questions for the Marriage, Kids, and Money community, and we're going to be featuring the Coast Fire win of Anders Skagerberg, who achieved Coast Fire in his young 30s with his young family. And the Monday after that, the last Monday of the month, we are going to be discussing a topic that keeps coming up. And I thought we'd address it, which is indexed universal life insurance and if it's worth it or not. And we're going to have a great guest named Tyler Gardner, who is going to speak to us about that topic. Thank you all so much for your support with this show. I absolutely love being a part of this community. I love sharing these family financial independence episodes with you. And the fact that you are listening and supporting me each week, I have you to thank for this awesome job that I have. So thank you. Thank you very much. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Mahatma Gandhi. Freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom 
to make mistakes. Here's to learning from our big mistakes, everyone. Carpe diem.